0: Welcome, welcome, hello, 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 I am Dan, your friendly fishmonger from DansFish.com and we do this stream every Wednesday at 7pm Mountain Time, that's 9 Eastern for those that are mountain challenged, glad you could be here to join us, Uh, I have a very exciting thing to talk about today with the warehouse, I'm buzzing, it's like, uh, there's an episode of uh, Seinfeld where Jerry asks George, George how you doing, he's like I'm buzzing Jerry I'm buzzing, that's how I feel. Because we made a a lot of progress, we got an exciting step done on that, the new fish warehouse build. Um, We'll do the shipping report, we'll talk to you about an awesome giveaway, and uh, then we'll ask, ask, then we'll answer any questions or have a discussion, answer comments, you know, do do that kind of uh, back and forth. A chat, we'll have a friendly chat afterwards. So. I'm excited to be here, glad you guys are here. Thank you, Maria Z, for letting me know that the audio and video are good. I greatly appreciate it. Well, let's get to it. So we're gonna start with the shipping report. Um, Before I say the shipping report, I want everyone to know that we're still over 99% successful for the year. Um, But we had two issues. One was a Kali Timbuni rainbow fish. Um, Those were from the giveaway from last week. We did a giveaway for those. I sent someone three, and for some weird reason, one didn't make it. No, made it, but then uh, passed away the next day, I think, or two days later, or something like that. But it was in kind of rough shape when it arrived. And the person that received it said that when they opened the bag, it smelled really bad. So I don't know what happened there. I, I think that rainbow might have snuck its lunch into the into the bag. Um, we're really careful to change all the water and everything, but. I know if he was a little constipated or something, just held on longer and let loose once he was being shipped. I'm not quite sure um, what happened. But it's, you know, never fun when a giveaway fish (laughs) doesn't make it. That's like you you have this exciting giveaway and you send them and then one doesn't make it, that's no good. So we did lose the Cali Timbooney. The other thing is we I have a, a group of Corridors elegans that I've had for geez, it's gotta be four months now, maybe. And they've been rock solid. We haven't had any problems. We sold lots of them. No one else has had any problems. But I shipped out several of them um, Monday and one was DOA and two others passed away since. Um, so we're having, I don't know what it could be, but I wanna show you guys a picture. I, I, I need some help from the hive mind. Um, so the DOA one had like a red, you know i don't know red coloring on it when it arrived and was dead and then the one that passed away developed or the ones that passed away developed some red coloring as well so i'm going to show you a picture of the deceased fish that the customer sent me Um, i know we can't really diagnose diseases or things from pictures but i'm just curious if anyone has ever had a quarry that looked like this and if they have if they were successful in treating it and if they were how did they do it? So we might be able to help um, this customer out. I mean, I, I doubt it. This is the fish. Um, it's See this red on the sides here? It's very strange. It's not red streaking. It doesn't look like, is that septicema or whatever? It doesn't look quite like that. It's just, it's almost like... Um, It has a hemorrhage inside and a big bruise or like internal bleeding or something. Um, In which case, I mean, the odds of being able to treat a fish that's doing that are probably very slim. But has anyone seen this on a quarry? And if you have, how did you treat it successfully? If you did, I mean, I'm not real hopeful to tell you the truth. There's certain things that just like, you know, are hard to treat you know, your, your liver explodes, you know, how do you treat that? But, um, but I like to help the customer if I can. Um, and yeah, you know, I don't know if it is trauma. I doubt it. They're, they're tough as nails. They're so armored. I don't know if it's bacterial could be, could be viral though. Like there's lots of things that could cause something like that. But if you've seen that and treated it successfully, please let us know. Um, so that'll give us an idea of maybe what we could try. My hope is that's it; that none of the others, you know, develop that. But that this is kind of like one of those worst-case scenarios for a customer. I feel really bad about this one um, because they got a fish. It starts developing this obvious issue. One of them had it when it arrived. It was DOA with the obvious red markings. Um, then a couple others developed it and died shortly after is my understanding of the chain of events. And so I'm hoping that I didn't just send this customer some like really fast acting, horrible disease that could spread around or something like that's the worst case scenario. Um, This is, I guess, why we need quarantine tanks, right? Um, I have had Cory's come in that I've seen a couple times that have come in when I've ordered them and brought them in. that have looked kind of like that. I think over the all the years I can count, I, I can remember one time vividly, and there might have been a couple other times over the years, but it's not a common thing. And in my experience, it it like spread like wildfire through the whole batch. So I'm hoping it's not that. Um, but what a horrible experience, right? Your customer, you get a fish. And then if it ends up being something like that, where it's just like this wildfire burning through the group, I, I hope that's not the case. And we, we try really hard, guys. We, we quarantine for a long time. Um, like I said, this batch we've had in our possession for a few months and there's been no signs. We've sent them to other people, no signs. But, but I think this one is somehow our fault. I don't think this is the customer's fault because um, one of the fish arrived DOA with those markings and then a couple others developed it later and I think died the next day. So, um, or something like that. So obviously it was happening when the customer received the fish. So I don't know if there's some latent thing that if they got really hot in shipping and just got super stressed or something that could act that fast. Like I have no idea, but I feel really bad. So if that customer is watching. I'm, I'm really sorry. I hope it's a contained thing. I hope it doesn't spread, um, and become an issue and, and, Geez, fingers crossed, I hope they're in a quarantine tank. But anyway, that's the bad news. The good news is we're, you know, this is very rare. Um, we're, we're shipping tons of fish and this is, uh, you know, we're still over 99% success getting people fish that are alive and healthy and that, that stay alive for them, like a couple weeks later are still doing well, right? So um, statistically we look good, but when you break, you know, cut past the numbers and start looking at individual experiences and and things that happen to fish even though it's super rare um, it gets a little more personal i guess never liked that part of it but that's why i look at statistics because uh i can get a little too wrapped up in like the the edge cases like this where there are problems so it's nice to look at numbers sometimes to realize look that's happened that's horrible but but overall look what we're doing you know so anyway that's the report um A troubled shipping report, I guess, is how I would describe that. Um, Okay. So on to the giveaway, and this should be much more fun. So the giveaway is for three angelfish that I have. These are angelfish that um, came from the wild. I can't remember if it was Colombia or Peru. I think they came out of Peru? I can't remember, but they were supposed to be a mop of redbacks. Got a nice batch of Amapa Redbacks and sold all the ones that developed a redback. These didn't. So these three fish are either Amapa Redbacks that are just really delayed in developing the red color, or Amapa Redbacks that just aren't going to develop the red color, or are something else that was included in the batch of Amapa Redbacks. I'm not quite sure. But the fish on the thumbnail is one of the actual fish that we're sending out. That picture was taken earlier today. And I want to share with you what the rest of these fish look like. So just a moment. Okay. So here's pictures of the actual fish that aren't edited or anything that, um, well, one is because I use it as a thumbnail, but you'll, you'll see it over here. If These values change, then the picture has been edited. Um, but almost all of these haven't been touched. And um, these are the three all-in one shot. As you can see, these have like this one has like more tight barbs and bars and dots on it. Uh, this one has fewer bars. This one's a little different. They all have the red eyes though. Um, but let me just show you kind of what these look like. Uh, I think I have to click on this and then will it do it? Yeah. So I'm just going to scroll through these pictures so you can see the actual fish that you'll be sent. This is the one I believe. Nope, I did not edit that. They're just at a different angle. Okay. Look at that one, those bold dark stripes. Some of them do, they don't necessarily have the red back, but they do have red dots all over them. You can kind of see them there. Oh, that's a good Ian. (laughs) Try a those are pictures of the actual fish taken earlier today that that we'll be sending out. Um, so if you like angelfish and don't and want pretty angelfish but don't mind that we don't know their exact collecting location. Uh, maybe it was from Amapa and they just look different. I don't know. I don't know how variable the Amapa uh, strain is or collecting location is. But if you would like to have a chance to win those then You can win by entering hashtag angelfish, A-N-G-E-L-F-I-S-H. And you'll probably have, and you just enter that in chat, hashtag A-N-G-E-L-F-I-S-H, angelfish. No spaces or anything, caps don't matter. Um, And you'll be entered into the drawing, which we'll do a little later. Um, What was I going to say about them? I don't remember. (laughs) <laughs> anyway pretty fish just don't know exactly if they are Mopper Reds or not uh, you know so I don't know I think they'll make someone really happy though they're, they're pretty um, the next thing oh can we see more pictures of the Goodyids those are the ones we have for sale and yes I'll show you more pictures uh, we'll do that and then I'll do the next thing so let me show you those pictures since we have a request Hang on, let me make sure there's nothing really disturbing here <laughs> in this whole image thread. Nope. We're all good. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. So here's the Trout Goodyads. These are the ones we have for sale. These were bred and raised by a hobbyist up in Montana, so real close to us. and. Um, so their hobby is bred and raised. They're, um, oh, I'd say around an inch, uh, maybe some others are a little more than an inch uh, in size. So I'll just quickly scroll through since we have a request. All the fish are in the same tank. Some, are, some you can see the sand, some you can just see the black background, depending on the angle of the camera and where the fish was in the tank. Um, unfortunately, I think we're pretty much sold out. We might have some stragglers. Oh, <laughs> couldn't help but take a picture of a pleco. I suppose. Aren't those cool though? Is that an ocelot? No, no, that is not. That's an opal spot. That's what I meant to say. Uh, random arms will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that those are opal it's spots. A mini. Oh, that's a mini snowball? Woo, I was right, way wrong. So that's an L471 mini snowball. Jeez, that's a good looking one. Look at that pattern on that guy. And guy, oh, that one is edited a little bit. I was going to say, th- this one isn't edited, but we did a little bit. And by the way, when we edit, we're not trying to be like, we don't do this. Oh, wait, I could, I could show you better. No, I can't. What you're not going to see is taking the saturation up to 100. All we're trying to do when we edit is clarify the image and make the fish look like it actually looks in person because the camera doesn't always pick it up faithfully. Um, so we might be able to list a few more. These are the Greg Sage line from Select Aquatics. Greg did not breed them, but the person we got them from acquired them from Greg, and you can totally tell tell by the, the coloring in the dorsal and anal fin, which uh, other females from other lines do not have. That one looks great. Um, the reason we took all these pictures is because the person that we got these from wrote a very nice article about breeding and raising this fish along with its natural history and taxonomic history um taxonomic or just taxonomic anyway it's the description history and how it's related to other species um for our newsletter article which i hope to have done in out tomorrow so that's why we took all these pictures but anyway yeah There you go. I mean, there's a lot, so maybe that's enough. <laughs> yeah, we're getting blurry. We'll call that good. So those are the trout goodies, Iliadon fursidens. And I hope to get more. Um, kind of hard to get though, because these guys, each batch, each litter that they drop of babies might only be like six fish or so. They're big, they're super developed, but um, but there's not many of them. And they only drop batches maybe twice a year. So. You know, fish that'll never be super plentiful, um, I would imagine, just because they're not very they're not very uh, prolific when it comes to reproduction. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, I want to talk about the warehouse. So the new fish warehouse, we're building a fish store. Uh, it's a big warehouse. Um, and today was the first time that we were able to turn water on to the aquariums. We've had water on all week, but we've just been um, getting the pumps up and running and talking to each other and the furnaces up and running and talking to the system you know all the little bits uh, with water and making sure they're all doing what they should but it's all been on a bypass so none of that water that was flowing through the system was running into the aquariums well today we finally were able to turn the water onto the aquariums and it was amazing (laughs) it was so great to see that um, man, that's a moment that we've been waiting for for so long. It's just a big check mark in that project. So that's where we are. Um, we got water in the tanks. Yes. And only a few problems. There were two tanks that um, were faulty. So this happens with cheaply made, quickly produced tanks like Aequion, Um where there's two that the silicone wasn't done quite right and so they leaked Um, so I need to strip those out and reseal them Uh, my least favorite task probably ever when it comes to fish stuff (laughs) stripping and resealing aquariums but we'll get that done and um, that's the main thing the only other thing was there was a couple feed hoses that weren't quite properly seated so um, we had to go and put those in the tanks real quick and then some of the valves that feed water from the ceiling um, were a little too loose and just needed another turn to tighten them up so really nothing bad, all stuff we kind of knew could happen and we're kind of expecting except for, well yeah, even the faulty tanks unfortunately um, but they're full of water we got the whole system going, the whole loop going um, we got the water going out to the uh, artificial riprap creek that we built to, to return the water to the natural river that we're drawing the water from and it was a beautiful thing. So we're, we're real close. So now what we're gonna do is tomorrow and Friday, we're gonna be over there, turn, like the system's off right now, because it's new enough we don't wanna run it overnight and not be there. But tomorrow morning we'll go out, we'll turn it on, we'll run it all day, make sure it's doing what it should do, um, run it for a couple days, right? And then if everything's still going well, all the temperatures are fine, all the flow rates are fine, everything's fine, then um, then we'll probably take some test fish over there on Monday uh, put them in the system make sure they do okay if they're still okay after a few days we'll take a few more test fish over there we'll start with really hardy species right and then gradually go to more delicate species and by the end of the week if all the fish are still doing well then we'll probably be about ready. We'll probably uh, start moving fish in there for real and and ordering the fish and filling it all up. And then once that's done, we can finally move all the tanks from down here and upstairs um, in the annex over and complete the system for realsies. But we have 33 aquariums installed right now and running. I'm sorry. 330, 33 aquariums. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's a lot for, I, I get it, for a fish room or something, but not for this. So we have 330 aquariums there. I, I think it's about 13, 14,000 gallons. I, I can't remember exactly. 40 times 330. Ah, uh, what is that? I gotta look. Was it 12,000? 40 times 330. 13,200 gallons in action right now. Um, we still got a lot to add, but it's nice to see it up and running. I can't tell you how exciting it was. It was like, I don't know. That was like Thanksgiving. And then once I get it all full of fish and everyone's good, then that'll be like Christmas. I don't know. It's very exciting for us for a long time. It's just been like waiting for that moment. So, ah, everything looks good so far. Um, yes, 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 yes. So that's what's going on in my neck of the woods. Um, Let's find out what's going on in your neck of the woods. If uh, you would like to chat with me, if you would leave a comment in chat, just like Mitchell Broom just did um, with a highlight here. See, it made it nice and bright and orange. I will see that. If it doesn't turn orange, it's it's not as likely i will see it. So, at symbol, dancefish, no spaces, will show me that nice bright orange. I think hashtag works too. I think just dancefish might work as well. Uh, I think Myrtle knows this. <laughs> Myrtle, is that right? Um, I want to thank my mods real quick for being here, for doing what they do, for making this stream work, keeping it smooth, making sure everyone behaves, and bringing the ban hammer down on anyone that doesn't. So if you're a jerk or you make life hard for people, we'll just ban you. We don't have room here. I have this philosophy in life that served me well. 1% of the people create 99% of the problems. Got no time for drama. Well I do on the stage, but not in life. So. Don't be one of the 1%. <laughs> so anyway, um, on that cheerful note, treat the mods well. They're volunteers, right? They deserve our respect. Um, on that note, I see that we got some super chats, which is amazing. One from Alexander Engelhart. Thank you so much. Alexander, it's not letting me see if there's a comment. Oh, geez. So Alexander, it did not show up here. It is only showing up here. And that is as much as it's showing me. So if you left a comment, Alexander, I'm sorry I can't read it. But thank you so much for the generous super chat. And I mean that. Um, Always appreciated. Never required, but it's super helpful. And Kelly Foreman, thank you so much as well for your super chat. The warehouse is almost here. Yeah. Oh, it's here, baby. It's just not quite. I mean, we got water in it. And uh, we started the heating loop and all that stuff. So tomorrow it'll be up and running long enough that we'll be able to get everything up to temperature properly and, and have it flow correctly. So today was just kind of a test, but, but it was an exciting test. We only ran it for, I, I don't know, I think two hours or something like that today. All right. Yes, but it's coming. It is close, Kelly. It is close and I can't wait. I'm like a kid in a candy store. Usually I'm like a bull in a china shop. So this is a good change for us. Okay, I'm scrolling here. Hey, not Stefan. Good to see you. <laughs> Hello, Timbo. I love that. Tanking it easy. This might be a short stream. There's not a lot of comments or questions, so uh, that's okay. That's okay. i got a lot to do. No pressure. Also, I I understand it's like super nice weather in a lot of places. So people are probably getting out and, you know, stretching their legs and working off the winter weight. Lady Diane, milestones. Indeed, a big one. Eric Wyrock, I congrats. Most feel good to finally have the water on it. So does. And a huge relief. So there were a couple big questions about this. This might be a time when I show you a diagram of what we're building so I can show you the things I'm talking about. Okay, just a moment here. Let me pull this up. Uh, Plans. Okay, here we are. Okay, I'm trying to find the right one. Yes. That's one of the right ones. Let me find another one so this all makes sense. Okay. There it is. And does that have an elevation as well on it? It does. So the first thing I'm going to show you, I should show you the plat, then it'll make more sense. Just one moment. One more. I think this will be worth it, guys. I think this will be worth it. Plat. Okay. Okay. So here's the plat, here's the building on this plat, it kind of runs this way, right? Like a rectangle on there. And this side, this is the west side, this is a creek right here that runs along the west side of our property. So the building's situated like a long rectangle on the property here with the west side uh, uh, facing towards the creek, okay? So at the creek or the river, what, what we've done, this is the creek, our buildings over here on the right, the creeks on the left. What we've done is um, created a water collection system. So this is all gravel that the water from the creek flows through, gets collected in all these pipes. So it's like the reverse of a leach field for a uh, septic tank or something. Instead of the water flowing out of the septic tank and being leached out, we're leaching water and flowing it into the septic tank and concentrating it here. So we have this big cistern here to to concentrate all that water. So water goes there and then these two little round, these two little round things here are the um, hangers that the big pumps hang on to pump the water from there up to the warehouse. Um, Let's see. Trying to get this just at zero, but it doesn't really tell me from there, and and it pumps it there up to the warehouse. So there's there's the warehouse there. So that's how we're collecting water. So the big worry number one was would this collect enough water to keep this full while the pump is going, and to keep the little hanger housing that the pump actually feeds out of full of water as well. Answer is yes. There is, like, way more than enough water. Like, I told the engineer, I'm like, take what you think you need and do it 10x to make this work. And he said, I did it 10x even if it's only working at 50%. So we have 20x what we need in this design. And we did that just because as water is running through this big bed of gravel, here's an elevation of it and into these pipes and into the cistern gradually we're going to be collecting sediment right um all the sediment from the creek is going to come in with the water and is going to settle in that gravel and gradually over time it's going to um it slow down the flow, kind of clog the gravel, slow down the flow through the gravel. It's like your underground, ground under gravel filter. If you had an under gravel filter back in the day, or maybe you do now, you had a couple inches of gravel on it, right? And if you didn't siphon it out regularly, over time it would get so full of junk um, that water couldn't pass through it anymore, pretty much, right? Well, over time, and hopefully quite a bit of time, that that could happen here. So. Question number one is, is there enough water? Yes, there is. Uh, It remains to be seen like five years from now, is there still enough water? We don't know how, how long exactly this gravel will last and when it needs to be taken out and replaced, but plenty of water right now. So big question number one, check. That bit works. Thank goodness. Question number two is all this equipment so what's the best way to show you this? probably here so along the west wall of the building we have uh, this is the west wall where this big under gravel cistern is this faces the creek like this pump drains down towards the creek there's another big pump it's right here and the question is will the water flow through the system at such a rate that this cistern, the water coming into this and being pumped out balances with this cistern and the pump here. And we're able to accomplish that. We have some really smart pumps, they're called variable frequency, well, they're not called that, but we have variable frequency drives uh, and computers basically making the pumps talk together. Everything's programmed so that the pump bringing the water into the building um, doesn't bring in so much that the pump pulling the water out of the building gets overflowed or vice versa, right? So that all works. So that was another big question. Another question I had was how clear would the water flow? Because we have these big um, sediment filters in the warehouse to catch any debris and stuff coming in from the river when the water first comes into the building. And it's like, hey, how quickly are those gonna clog up? I mean, we're, we're pumping 350 gallons a minute. That's half a million gallons a day of water through those filters. Are they gonna clog up like instantly? Every two hours or are we gonna have to shut the system down and replace the bag filters? Um, and the good news is, no. The water's coming in nice and clean. Um, those filters aren't having hardly any like head pressure on them at all buildup in the bags and um, I think it's gonna run long-term efficiently I think it's gonna work so I forget what started me on that but yeah <laughs> but those are the big things are is there gonna be enough water and then if there is is this gonna be able to know how much water to return so we keep the system in balance um, and it's been really nice to see it actually working. Fire it up and say, yep, look, there's plenty of water. The other pump is returning at the rate it should, and when it isn't, is adjusting, right? So they're, they're working together. Good. And the water's clear. <laughs> like It's all working. So whew, we were able to finally, this theory that we've had on paper of how this should work, we were able to finally confirm that it actually does. And that's a huge relief because I ain't no engineer. I, I, I worked with several engineers to make this happen, but it's, it's my design. Um, the engineers are the ones like making, programming the equipment so it talks correctly, sizing the pipes so that the flow's right, knowing what pressure to send them out, all that stuff. But as far as like the we want, uh, we want to take out sediment, we want a carbon filter, we want UV filters, we want a water uh, heat exchanger or economizer. Uh, we need boilers, a loop that returns back, and then how it goes back to the creek. That's that's all stuff that we came up with, um, thinking about just from first principles, really, what would be the best thing for the fish? Um, how can we get them constant, fresh, clean water? And how can we do it while being good stewards of our environment and do the local environment a service rather than kind of uh, abusing it? And so um, it's nice to see it running, and it's so nice to see the theory um, works because, man, that was a lot of work and a a ton of funds and effort, Um, and if it didn't, I don't know, I'd be a puddle of self-pity right now, I guess. (laughs) Mitchell Broom, if you haven't already, get a few of those little Wi-Fi leak detectors and sit them around on the floor. It's amazing the peace of mind those bring on a new system. Wi-Fi leak. I think you mean water leak detectors right i'm sure that's what you mean yeah i i hear you roger that (laughs) we're leaking wi-fi free wi-fi for everybody (laughs) isn't autocorrect fun (laughs) all right secret my quarries dropped 75 fry they all survive and i have no extra tanks gotta buy more hey more tanks for world peace do the world a favor. Get more aquariums and help it be a more peaceful place. <laughs> Congrats on the fry. Secret, that's awesome. That is great. Were those pygmies? What, what kind of quarries were those? Could you remind me? Alexander Engelhart. What fish will you be able to carry in the warehouse you haven't been able to in the past? Okay, good question. So the big um, determining factor I have... Here, I, I guess there's two things. One is temperature, and the other is uh, water hardness. So temperature is still going to be a factor at the warehouse because we're running all the aquariums at the same temperature. We're thinking somewhere around 77, 78 degrees would be good, like mid upperish 80s, right? Almost all fish can do well at those temperatures. I 78, let's say but not all do. There's like like those trout goodyids, those will do fine, but there's a lot of species of goodyids that wouldn't. There's a lot of species of killifish that won't. There's um, like discus and rams and even betta splendens are fish that, you know, we won't be able to carry in the new warehouse just because our temperature is not correct. In order to carry fish like those, we would have to uh, build a rack that had special temperature, you know, adjustments to it and uh you know maybe sometime in the future so so number one what we can't keep is anything that can't live in that mid-upper 70s range call it i don't know 75 to 80 degree range let's let's just say somewhere in there but that's most things so you know that's a good range but the other thing and that's kind of what we keep the tanks in here too so that's been a limiting factor but the thing that isn't going to be a limiting factor in the warehouse is, is hardness. So, the water in the warehouse is harder. It's not liquid rock. It's not like obscenely hard, so it's going to be corrosive to the equipment or anything. At least I hope not. Um, but it's harder. So, what does that mean? That means that there's a lot of fish that we don't keep or don't keep in large numbers because they like hard water. We have soft water. And while most of them we could adjust to soft water and have, things like guppies and platys and stuff like that, even African cichlids on occasion when they were sent to us, although we didn't order them, <laughs> like Rift Lake cichlids, Mabuna and things. Um, we can adjust them to our soft water, but they're not as hardy in our soft water as they would be in, in hard water, and to get them to adjust, it's a long process it's a lot more work and it's more stressful on the fish so we tend to not keep a lot of guppies a lot of sore tails, a lot of platys a lot of um, you know any rift like cichlids um, there, there's several types of fish that really they like hard water and you can definitely take a fish that likes soft water and put it in hard water that's not a problem but the reverse is hard <laughs> the reverse is more difficult uh, taking a hard water fish and putting it in soft water increases the osmotic pressure on the fish Therefore increases the amount of energy and work on the fish's system uh, Work that the fish energy consumed so that the fish can work harder to maintain uh, osmotic homeostasis and um, and that can be more difficult on the fish But going the other way is no problem soft to hard easy so that will help us uh, and allow us to keep a lot of species um, that need harder water. So, you know, we we'll, I still wanna crack the guppy code. Still working on that. Um, did some things, made some progress, but don't feel like I got where I needed to get. And so, um, hoping, kinda held off on that until we have the hard water. And I wanna see what the impact of the harder water from the warehouse is on guppies and things like that. Um, So I can see if that helps me kind of crack the code. What I'm trying to do is figure out a way to get guppies to people so they live long-term and don't die within a month or two. Um, There's a big problem with guppies just fading away. Like, they'll probably get to you alive, and they'll probably look fine in a week or two, but will they still be okay in, like, a couple months? Uh, Right now, that's a little bit iffy. Um, And it takes us a lot of time to get the guppies to the point where we think that, that that's the likely outcome and are, are able to ship them. Um, but the hard water, I think, will will help with that. So, yeah, that'll help us on our mission to kind of crack the guppy code. Um, and if it doesn't, if we have the hard water and it's still difficult to get guppies healthy enough for our customers that they thrive long-term, then I think what we're gonna have to do is um, buy from hobbyists which we we love doing by the way if you breed any strain of guppy that breeds true not just mutt but guppies or you know something from the pet store but something that actually breeds true um, we're we're interested Um, so guppies from hobbies usually do fine for us Um, or we'll only purchase from biosecure facilities because what that would mean is if the guppies aren't doing good here in in our softer water, I'm like, okay, I can understand that. And by the way, I don't want to say all guppies do horribly. Like we we wouldn't keep bringing them in if that was the case. We have a a group of albino platinum guppies right now that is amazing and rock solid, looks beautiful. Um, But there are guppies and endlers that we brought in that it's like, man, we've had these for two months and they're still not ready to sell, right? So. In soft, if I can take the soft water variable out of that, keep them in hard water and if they're still having problems, then the only conclusion I can make is that there is a problem with the stock. That either there's some kind of uh, disease that they have um, that comes out later in life, whenever the fish is stressed. or maybe there's... I kind of doubt it's like genetics. I don't think it's the inbreeding or, or any of that. Um, there's a lot of bearer populations in the wild that are very limited in their genetic pool that do fine uh, for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. They're, they're naturally curtailed populations. So I'm not sure that it's so much the inbreeding like we hear about. But it could be that there's some kind of undetectable virus or, or some kind of Insisted bacteria or something like that. And so if they're still struggling even though we have the hard water Then I'll know look we've done everything we can We've tried different water we've tried all these things guppies from this supplier still aren't working. I guess I can't buy from them anymore Um, and I'll start looking for uh, more hobbyist raised fish biosecure facility fish and um, I don't know, we might have to raise some ourselves as well, but we don't want to do that. That's not as good for the business. Um, you want to turn your tables, so to speak, and keep the tanks paying their rent, so to speak, to keep the business going. But there, there are some situations where I think we could raise guppies in tanks with other fish and it wouldn't curtail um, the ability of that tank to, to earn its keep in the, in the facility. But yeah, that's, that's the main thing. Um, really excited to dig into guppies and some other live and see if we can kind of crack that code. And there's the possibility of African cichlids and things. I don't think that that's something we'll do anytime soon. Oh, and goldfish and stuff. Those like harder water too. Our temperatures are wrong though. So they would need a separate thing. Um, but African cichlids, I don't think we'll do anytime soon. I think if we do move into those, that'll be something that we did, um, kind of like we've done everything else, and we're doing it really well, and we don't know how to optimize for those things anymore, now let's try African cichlids. And the reason is, I love African cichlids, always have. I I used to work at a very large African cichlid facility, but um, it takes a whole different level of education because you're basically selling someone a problem. If they don't know about the aggression, if they don't know about the specific requirements African cichlids have so that they coexist in peace, what can go with what, um, how many you need to keep aggression down, all those different factors, um, then they're going to have a problem. And I don't, I don't want to be the cause of that problem <laughs> or you know, frankly put the drain on our resources handling those problems. So it's going to be something where the other things are going well, we can still, we still have room or something that makes sense to do African cichlids because um, there would be all kinds of education and stuff. We'd have to make sure it's in place so that people, before they click that buy button, we know they saw the thing that says, hey, if you're new to this, you need to go check out this video or, or read this article or, or whatever to start them in the basics um, of African cyclic keeping because otherwise we're just uh, you know, creating problems. So yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Thanks for the question, Alexander. Appreciate it. Killer's Aquatics and Exotics Pippi Longstocking is in the house. Cheering me on. Hey Pippy. Ra rah rah. rah. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Appreciate you so much. Get Gills says, um see verily, verily Casey question up a few. I will do so. A how high. Okay, I'm looking. Verily. Ah, oh, there it is. At Fish Dam, <laughs> I'll take it. Do you know if the common bristlenose pleco has an L number? Um, bristlenose plecos, I believe, do have L numbers. The problem is the common bristlenose pleco, if you will, um, no one that's probably not a pure species anymore. Um, those have been mixed and matched so many times that those are probably pretty much all hybrids. So even if you knew the L number of the different bristlenose, um... The, the common ones are just common because they're a mixture, a, a melange of L numbers if you will. But if you google Ancestris, here I'll do it with you here, Ancestris L number, then we should find, yeah, oh these are Hype sisters here, okay I'm gonna, here's the best place, Check this out. This is a great, great website. This is lauracarridae.info and I'm in the species section. Um, So let's copy that, paste that. This has, this is a wonderful website. You can look through all these different ancestors, um, or what are they calling them now? Yeah. Um, and find out about them. So there's all these ancestors here with L numbers and uh yeah check them out here they are i think most of the known species are probably here i mean this this guy is a true pleco nerd so check out LauraCaraday.info. get you started okay wichita falls wichita good to see ya it's i feel like it's been forever welcome back unless you've been here the whole time and i've just like been ignoring you accidentally for a year (laughs) I bet the look on your face when the water flowed was equivalent to getting a Red Ryder BB gun as a child. No, you'll shoot yourself in the eye. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. It was amazing. Yeah, It, it felt great. Angst melting away and like excitement flowing in, that's what it felt like. Patrick Hardy, may I ask, will you house any rare and care listed lie bearers? live bears' lives matter <laughs> i like that patrick yeah i mean isn't is iliadon Fersidens on the cares list i don't know um but yeah we'll do that uh, what we can't do right now is be an actual cares participant by breeding keeping populations long term and distributing them uh, at least not on the business side that that won't fit our business model it won't work um we'd go out of business if we dedicated ourselves to that. But my dream is, once the business is up and running and things are going and I'm not needed as much there, to build a rack um, for breeding purposes and breed lots of species, um, whether they're on the carries list or not, that are endangered or threatened or need help. Because there's lots of fish that um, are very endangered or extinct in the wild even and things like that that are not on the cares list the cares list is not a all it's not a comprehensive list of every fish that needs help it's just a list of a limited number that we're like hey let's maybe focus on these but the fish I tend to like are not on the cares list in any massive numbers uh, things like the killifish and things like that at least not last time I checked let's see here cares fish list cares priority list let's see what we got I mean, we're talking a whole genre here. Rice fishes. Killifish are on there, but not the species listed. Just, okay, let's see here. Here we go. So, for killifish, for example, all they really have here are the pupfishes. Athenius are like an honorary pupfish. They're like the pupfish of North Africa in in Europe, in the Middle East, let's say. Um, So, Right there, there's tons of killifish that are endangered that are not on that list. Let's see, um... oh, okay, so there are some more here. That's good. There are a few, but only a few. So the fundalopanchax, I like them a lot. The aphiosumians, I like them a lot. The the lamp-eyes, procatapus, and and the different lamp-eye species, um, I like them a ton. And there's a lot of killifish that are endangered, not on that list. Unless, they all here? No. Okay. Why did I think they'd be there? that <laughs> <I print> Pernidae? <laughs> I got that confused with this. <laughs> um, let's see, another group I really like are Rainbow Fish. Let's see what they have here for Rainbow Fish. Do they have any? Do they just have pseudomugil? Do they have Oh, there it is, day. Like, there, there's, okay, so some of these I'll probably work with, yeah. And like Funnel Gardener Eye on the killifish list, I, I would definitely work with. But so I'll work with fish that, that I like that need help, whether they're on the CARES list or not, I guess is, is how I would describe that. I feel like you kind of have to, um, for for long-term kind of preservation sustainability type project to actually work long-term and be effective i feel like you have to really love the fish you're doing otherwise you'll lose interest like you might do it because you're like that fish needs help i'm gonna do it but if your heart ain't in it it ain't in it and uh so i'd rather pick fish that that i like to do but um that'll have to be kind of on the side um, that'll be something where I can do that and make videos about it and just show people hey here's look at these guys they're breeding here's how we raise them you know that that kind of thing um, maybe a step-by-step on how to breed and raise certain species um, but it, at this point we're a little ways from being able to do that Jess Aquatics do you plan on getting any more orange lemon tetras? oh you betcha yes indeed love that fish it's amazing and uh, that's one of the first orders we'll do is bringing in those. Yep. SJ Fishing Adventures. And by the way, I've uh, I'll get to that in a second. SJ, I've like I'm so excited about this that I've actually got all the orders ready. I just haven't submitted that. So I've been going over lists for a long time and getting all the orders figured out of what I want to buy, so that as soon as it's ready, I can just be like, okay, here it is. <laughs> so I've been, I don't know. It's kind of like when you fantasy football i guess or something like that (laughs) fantasy fish ordering yes that's my level of fish geek i am fantasy fish ordering oh i've got a problem (laughs) i just realized how that sounds (laughs) i'm sure most folks here get it but anyone watching this that is not a fish nerd is going to be like (laughs) um sj fishing adventures is there a way to back flush the gravel bed yeah kind of i mean the engineer and i've talked about that uh yes to a point but that gravel bed is i don't know eight feet deep um the pump sits at about 15 feet deep and it's there's gravel all the way down to that so it starts here and then slopes down to the pump getting even deeper and deeper down to like like 15 feet or something like that so um that's a lot of rock to be able to just take a pressure hose to or something. Um, there is backflush capacity on sections of the system itself, but that's a ton of gravel. We're talking about almost 80 feet of gravel wide and 40 feet long, and the pipes only run in certain sections of it. So we can backflush pipes and things like that without any issue. But um, the gravel itself, you know, that's gonna be rough. Now, there is some, we did talk about, you know, some pressure hose and pushing stuff down in there and things, but that's only going to be so effective. The good news is, though, that most of that debris, we think, is going to collect within the first few feet of the bank of the creek, where it'll kind of settle out more. And so hopefully when we do have to replace the gravel, and I'm hoping this is like in 20 years, we won't know till we run the system, but I'm hoping this is like years from now, like decades now from now but hopefully we're going to strip away the like first 8 feet or so and put new gravel there and, and have remedied most of the problem there's a lot of SJ fishing adventures that we just won't know until we run the system over time, like we've done our best to design it and now we'll have to see what we actually done built real stinks. it looks good like a gold trap it still looks like a gold trap, oh okay okay, if you've been watching a uh, what is that show? I haven't had time to watch TV in, like, forever, but Gold Rush. <laughs> Them folks going up to Alaska and, I don't know, didn't they go to South America at one point? I, I never saw that one, but I watched some of the Alaska one, so I think I know what you're talking about. The Sluice, the Sluice, is it Sluice Box or whatever? I mean, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been gold mining very much, let's put it that way. Okay, I'm, I'm scrolling up because chat jumped. So I know I'm missing some folks, I'm scrolling up to try to find you. And as far as I can scroll up is Paul Soltero. Would you consider using RO water for keeping fish that prefer softer water? Um, no, because I have the, the soft water that supplies my current facility also supplies the warehouse. So we have two water supplies there. One is very soft, just like I have now, and the other is, is much harder. And so, um, I don't need RO water because the RO, the water from the tap is pretty much RO water. Um, it's two grains, calcium carbonate DGH, which means like, like barely detectable carbonate hardness levels. It's very soft stuff. The, the snow that melts and becomes the water for, for the municipality here is, uh, I don't know it's it's right up the road like i can like the mountains the snow powering that are r- right there i can see them i can see the snow on them right now and so basically what happens is that snow melts off runs into streams can that congregate at the base of the mountains and our our municipalities water our drinking water is taken right there so it's just run down the mountain to the base of the mountain so it has not absorbed a bunch of Minerals or anything like that and at that point it's piped right to us. So it's basically pure snow runoff Um, A little bit of minerals because you know It has to go down the creeks and rivers to get to the bottom of the mountain, but uh, not much not much at all Rav can't say too much But a lot of guppies lately from many different sources have come in have had an issue even in hard water for us Oh yeah, I think most people are having that experience. So Rav, uh, guppies face the problem all the fish do that are in the hobby, or the majority of fish, which is they're imported in vast numbers, um, they're stressed out, and then they're immediately sold before they recover from that stress. So since they're stressed out, their immune system is compromised due to stress, and they don't do well for people. So almost all fish in the hobby have this issue. So what I want to see is if we take that bit out, if we bring them over in a more efficient manner and don't go through all the steps of the supply chain, skip most of those, have the breeder send them right to me instead of going through all the different you know, legs of that, um, or maybe go through a single point of entry and then to me, something like that, uh, much quicker than normal. And if I then give them the time to recover like I do the rest of my fish, will they be as hardy as the rest of my fish? But, Rav, most fish right now have a problem because of the supply chain and how the industry works. So I'm trying to see if I can separate guppies from that. So if I have them in hard water they like, can I um, help them recover and be rock solid just like the other species or not? And If not, then we're probably talking about, um, again, a supply issue that's more deeply ingrained like an illness or... I guess inbreeding could be part of it, but I kind of doubt it. Some some kind of illness that is slow moving or remains latent until later in the right stressful conditions, it starts gaining a foothold, those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, though, that guppies uh, have been having an issue. And I don't, I mean, from what I know doing this, uh, from what I've seen over the time I've been doing this, I don't think that's a real new issue. I think guppies have been problematic for... I don't know, fifteen years, maybe more, twenty years, something like that. So, um, yep. But I'm sorry you're having issues, and um, we're going to do our best to see if we can stop people having those issues. We've been pretty successful with a lot of other species. Most fish that we bring in really like our water because um, it's it's that nice soft water that they're accustomed to. But but you know, guppies not so much. Brookie Sam, any plans to bring in some more killifish? Yes. Like maybe some annuals or more Fundalopanchax. So the one I'm really working on and been tr- working on for years is Panchaks Delta ends. Is it Delta ends or Delta Enzay? I, I don't know, I'll just show it to you. <laughs> delta Enzis, I guess. So this bad boy right here is a big Fundalopanchax like the size of a blue galaris. Think of a four to six inch fish, maybe, big fish. And I've got a, I've I've been teased from several suppliers several times over in Africa that they can get these and I've tried and they've never come. They've always been shorted. So this is a fish that I want to bring in really badly. Um, But there's lots of others as well, but that's just one little example. Um, But yes, killifish are my passion, so I'll do what I can. Now, that being said, there are limits to what I can do. They're not a fish that is commonly available um, in any kind of numbers to bring in. So, and, and then finding suppliers that do supply them, finding within that limited pool of suppliers that do supply killifish, finding within that pool ones that do it well, so the killifish are treated right, that's an even smaller pool. So... It's going to take more doing but yes uh, that is something I'll definitely be working on annuals is hard I don't know of any um, infrastructure laid out in kind of East Africa more on the eastern side where the Nothobronchias come from um, where I can source them it would need to be hobbyist breeders and the problem there is almost all hobbyist breeders in killifish world keep like one or two pairs of each species they have so they're not producing large numbers they're just producing enough to kind of keep their population going have a little group and share it with friends which is a beautiful thing like in a hobby no problem no shade on that I did that for years too I was a killifish Uh, that's you know that's what I thought was normal fish keeping for my first 10 years of doing it (laughs) because killifish were my first kind of love i guess um but what it means is they're not producing them in large enough numbers that i can say hey could i order 50 could i order 100 or something if you're a killifish breeder and you have killifish like if you got 25 pairs of a killifish or more send me an email hello at dancefish.com h-e-l-l-o at dancefish.com let me know because um i would love to buy killifish from now in in West Africa there are some suppliers, but they promise the moon and you order them all and then what they send you is stuff you didn't order. So <laughs> I'll keep trying, but um, yeah I'll keep trying. But there's problems. There are some breeders though. There are there are a few farms that are breeding killifish. The problem is that at their price point I would have to sell them at something like fifty to sixty bucks a pair, and um, I just I don't think I could like there's probably a few people would be like, man, I've wanted that fish forever and would buy a couple pairs, but I wouldn't be able to move the volume that I would need to, to move to make it make sense for, for our business plan. It, it just wouldn't work. So that's another difficulty is, um, there are, there's maybe one farm that kind of does several, no, there's maybe two that, between them maybe have eight to a dozen species of killifish yeah. that are occasionally available but the price is so darn high like are you going to pay 60 bucks a pair for um i don't know like a chromafio simian like yeah, not many people will so that makes it hard and they don't have collection points on most of them so that's the other thing um 60 bucks a pair let's say and it's just an aquarium strained fish. There's not even a collection point with it. And in the killifish world, the collection point is, is very important. The provenance is super important to killifish people. So just makes it hard, Brookie Sam. But um, again, if anyone here is breeding killifish in any kind of numbers, um, say 25 pairs or more, oh yeah, hit me up, please. Johnny, speaking of renting tanks, think I could rent a few for me and my family to live in? Well, we'll we'll talk about that off-screen, Johnny. <laughs> well, wait, let's see if we can get Johnny in there too. What size tank would that be? Well, this is my biggest tank. I think we could get you in there you and you know your partner and all your pets yeah we could do it let's let's we don't even have to put much thought into that done (laughs) can't wait till you to till you get out here man looking forward to it (laughs) luigi love the font is better i just saw it because of the font hey dan do you think that the two-spot catfish could be a good addition to my 50 gallon yes I keep Corydoras hebrosis No, <laughs> and I don't know if they'll eat them or try to. Yeah, they would. I don't think the Corydoras hebrosis are big enough. Um, I think that the two-spot catfish would nom 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 all over those. So yes, the two-spot catfish are good for almost any aquarium. 50 gallons a great size um, for them. Um, as long as they're with fish that are big enough that they're just not snacks. And unfortunately, hebrosis are small enough that that wouldn't be much of a challenge for the cat to wrap its mouth around it. Sorry, because two spots are awesome. Don Gallagher, do you still have your strain of platys? Um, I do not have the neon yellow calico calico platys anymore, but um, the person I source them from still has them. So I still have access to that group of platys, yes. I just don't have any of my tanks at the moment. And they're still my favorite. Um, for those that don't know what we're talking about, let's see if we can bring this up. Um, okay, we'll go to dance fish here and neon yellow calico. Are those the terms? Yeah, yeah neon yellow calico platy. Now, what you're not seeing here is the iridescent, shiny neon part of this fish because the camera can't pick it up. So, if you picture this orange and yellow part of the fish. Vibrantly glowing, like the dorsal um, stripe on a Miyuki rice fish, just like neon. That's what this fish is, and I'm not exaggerating. They are bright. They they catch you from across the room. Real bright, iridescent fish, and that's why I love them. Like, you know, it's like ah, another platy, but I, I'll never forget the first time I saw that that fish. I, I was walking through. Um, row after row after row of tanks and uh just from like i don't know 15 feet away i saw this like glowing tank and i was like what is that and i walked over and it was those fish they drew me in from like i don't know 15 20 feet away they're 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 awesome all right orange cones can we see can you see random arms you can see his arms random arms you want to do your arms there you go there's get gills aka random arms <laughs> mike de wolf any recommendations on brand and gallon per minute on a gas instant hot water heater 60 to 80 tanks the one that worked really well for me was the Renai. Um, the only Renai i've ever used um, and i i'm using them in down here and up in the annex, but it's the same one is the one that does 200,000, uh, BTUs, whatever that was. Um, it's actually 199,999 BTUs. Cause as soon as they hit 200 BTUs, I think it's like, then you're considered a commercial product or an industrial product. And there's different regulation around that or something. But, um, the Renai has been good to me. And I forget the exact model I use, but um, I think it does 12 gallons per minute. I'd have to look. Let's call it 10 gallons a minute, give or take a bit. And that's, that's plenty for my system. Um, it runs overnight. One row of tanks will get 15 minutes, then the next, then the next, then the next. And then, so once it's gone through all the rows, we're talking about two hours or so, and then it circles back, and it does that like four times for each bank of tanks. And over that time, it's able to give them a 33 to 40% water change. That's um, how it works. So Rinnai was has been good to me. Um, let's see here. I recently had to replace one Renai. The uh, condenser, is it, was getting a little leaky and I got in, they sent me a replacement kit for it because they warranty their stuff, but I didn't know how to install that sucker. So I just got a new one. That thing has been running for three three to four years, which doesn't sound like a lot. But I am putting... Hang on, let me tell you how much water I'm putting through that thing every night. I mean, I'm working that thing hard. So 75 times 40. So that's 3,000 gallons. 75 times... I don't know, call it 45. Okay, so that's that. Plus then we have the quarantine system. Uh, Then that tank, the 100 and the 100. So call it... Call it 4,000 gallons a night, 4,000 times 365 times, let's say it did 3.5 years. That thing had over 5 million gallons of water going through it. So it's not a long time, but at the rate we were using it, I think that's pretty impressive. And I, I guess I should do a big disclaimer here. I'm not a plumber, I'm not an engineer, I'm not an expert, but the Renai's have been good to me. Mitchell Broom, carries is a hobbyist run thing focused on specific groups um, that its members are in, but the U- IUCN red list is a larger authority on what is endangered. Oh, absolutely, yes, I understand. Kyrs is just selecting some fish that it thinks uh, we could focus on as a hobby. And, and the fish that I like on there, sure, I, I would love to keep and breed. Um, but um, I've got to like it. <laughs> Mario Villalobos. Thoughts on Beckford's pencil fish in a rimless 16 gallon shrimp tank? I think they'd do fine. Um, what I don't know for sure is, are they jumpers? I don't think so. But the reason I don't know, like I've never seen them try to jump. But the reason I don't know for sure is all my tanks have real tight-fitting lids. So I've never had that experience of coming in in the morning and finding any on the floor. But I don't know for sure if that's because they don't jump or just because I have lids. But I've never seen a behavior where the pencil fish are like, shoot, danger, gonna jump. So. I think they'd be fine in a rimless tank and they'd be fine with shrimp too. I think they'd be a good companion of shrimp. Um, hopefully the shrimp have a little, a dense bunch of Java moss in the corner or a rock pile like LR Bretts does, or, um, a, a little stack of, you know, some kind of driftwood or something so that when they're molting, they can get away. Because when a, when a shrimp is freshly molted, they're tender and delicious and soft and even I've seen quarter-inch fry just demolish a cherry shrimp right after it um, molted. So the shrimp need a place to get away during the molt but as long as that's happening then I don't think the uh, pencil fish are gonna hurt any adult uh, cherry shrimp. Now Tiny little babies are fair game right but um, I think they would get along well. Anyone here um, who does not have tight-fitting lids or has rimless tanks and has tried Beckford's Pencil Fish, have you ever had any jumping issues? That would be the big question, because I think they'd go find a 16 gallon and with shrimp, but I don't think they're jumpers, but let's hear some from some people that might be able to answer that better than me because of how their tanks are set up. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, hello. I agree, if you aren't into it, you aren't into it. Puffers are growing a ton. Oh, we were talking about the Cares. Yeah, I gotta like it, or you're just not gonna do a good job long-term. Now, switching gears, puffers eat a ton or growing up. If I wasn't into them, it wouldn't be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the difficulty of raising those little buggers, right? When they're first hatched and are teeny, teeny, tiny. <laughs> Al AI, Hail Monger Nation. Hey, good to see you. I hope you're doing well. If you feed your fish brine shrimp, that will encourage them, will that encourage them to eat neocaridina shrimps? Oh, I don't think so. Um, I think if a fish is going to eat neocaridina shrimp, just the movement of the neocaridina shrimp itself is going to be plenty of stimulus. I I don't think that brine shrimp is going to, they don't need any extra encouragement, let's put it that way. I I think if they're going to eat neocaridina shrimp, they're going to do it. Um, They're little moving critters, like that's all the stimulation they need. I mean, I haven't run a study where I tried an A-B test of fish and shrimp and fed some brine shrimp and some not and saw what the (laughs) rates of, uh, you know, enjoying shrimp cocktails was in each tank, but I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to scroll up because chat jumped it quite a bit. Luigi! I saw serpent loaches on your site. Are they aggressive? No. Like other botia species, or are they calm and not jerks to every living thing, like my dwarf chain loaches? Wait, your dwarf chain loaches are aggressive. That's that's news to me. Um, no, the serpent loaches are not mean. They're they're not closely related to the Boteids or like the the tiger loaches or uh, what other thing? like maybe skunk loaches and things like that that are difficult. Yeah, no, they're not. Well, let me say this. They were not like that for me. Shoot, did my camera just go out? Hang on, guys. I gotta see what happened here. Powers, I've got the power cord in. Is it? Can you tell if it's plugged in over there or something? I guess I'm gonna start my camera over. Let me check the power here. Sorry, folks. Hopefully you can still hear me. Oh, did it come off the link, the cam link? All right, guys, just give us a sec. We're trying to figure it out. If we can't in a minute, we'll just shut this down. I turn down the, turn off the camera. Okay. Trying to reset the camera, guys. Restarting some things here. Let me see uh, what the battery life is on this. I mean, it's plugged in, so it shouldn't be an issue. Okay, you're probably staring at a really ugly insulated wall now. Okay. I think we're back, I just had to restart it. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. (laughs) It's live, folks. (laughs) All right. Okay, not sure what happened there. Camera shut down. It's not like particularly hot today or anything. Do you think, does it get hot because it's charging? We'll have to check later. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what happened. Hopefully it won't happen again. I mean, this camera has been amazing. This is a Sony a7 III. I love that thing it's been a great camera I mean, hopefully there's no trouble okay fish kid 61 bestpashi for community tanks with an angelfish and tetras and cleanup crew and best rapache for bris- bristlenose, bristle nose just in your opinion so I mean just the community blend is a pretty good one um, that's what I would do uh, bristle nose or what do you oh yeah I didn't have Bushies or bristles, you're calling them bristle bristlenose. Um, yeah, they'll eat them. That's no problem. Now, I would give the caveat, fish kid 61, that um, I don't think you want to feed your fish any one thing. So if you're like, is that all I need? In, I don't think so. But I think community blend Verpashi is a perfectly good food for all those. I would encourage you to also supplement that with many other things, like coin zucchini for the bristlenose, maybe green pe- green beans, French cut is good because then they can get the, the, the tough skin is opened, right, basically they can get to the flesh easily. Um, I'd feed uh, frozen brine shrimp to the angelfish and the tetris for sure, even the bristlenose too though, that wouldn't do them any harm, like I'd give a variety. So there are people like uh, LRB Aquatics. Hey, Lucas, hope you're doing well on your move to Florida. That, um, like that guy just te- feeds uh, tetracolored granules and it works for him. Um, but my opinion is the more variety, the better. And I said this, but it's been a long, long time. I wonder if one of the reasons that that works so well for, uh, for LRB is because he keeps tanks natural style, right? So his tanks are full of algaes and little critters. Often there's scuds in the tank, things like that. So even though he's only physically putting tetracolor granules in there, um, there's probably lots of other things naturally growing in the tank that the fish can supplement their diet with. So I've always wondered that. Because, um, you know, he's, you know he's been preaching tetracolor granules for a long time. And he's obviously very successful with lots of his fish long term. I mean, if you... Fa- if you look at the guy from years ago he's got fishing videos that now that he had been right obviously they're doing good long term um, but i suspect the way i keep aquariums that would not work as well because my aquariums tend to be um less natural let's say there's there's less stuff growing in there it's less of an it's a less rich ecosystem. That's, that's a nice way to term it. My tanks are not as rich in ecosystem as Lucas's tanks. So um, I would encourage you to feed a variety. Days Aquarium thoughts. Would Parasiprochromus work in a 40 gallon breeder? And how many? Yeah, I'm sure they would. They'll be with multis. Um, oh, then I don't know. So Parasiprochromus would work fine in a 40. How many would you put in there? It totally depends on maintenance and, and, and your filtration and your feeding and, and the bio load due to feeding and all that stuff, but just size-wise, I don't think there would be any problem in a 40 breeder getting, let's, let's give you a range of like six to a dozen, depending on your comfort level um, and, and your maintenance and things. The thing I don't know is multis. Uh, a 40 gallon breeder is not very tall. I don't know if that's tall enough for the Parasiprochromus to get far enough above the multis that they wouldn't get hammered. I I suspect it is not tall enough. But um, I think you need a taller tank to pull that combo off. I've never tried it in that size tank though, so you know, I could be wrong, but that's what I would be worried about. All right. Leo 209 Aquatics, any new updates on more zebra plecos? So, yes, kind of. Um, There's been a lot of things put on hold just until we can move into the new facility. So we're building a new fish store. Uh, It's kind of more like a fish warehouse. And um, as we're getting that finalized, that setup finalized, we're having to, like, move all our stuff over there. So I haven't done any like really large specialized imports for, I guess it's been a couple months or something because uh, we're basically trying to maintain what we have and and just uh, not do too much crazy importing until we've moved to the new space because we have to move all the fish, then we have to tear down everything, move stuff there and all that. So once that space is up and running and ready for new fish, yeah, L forty sixes are on the list. Lady Dion, that must be heaven to live there. Pure snow water. It's amazing water. It's it's really nice. And there's like nothing between us and the water. Like it's not running through any other towns, it doesn't go through any like farmland or ranch land. It's just right at the base of the mountain. They collect it and send it to us. It's really nice. Luigi is better. there's some people that would debate that if we're talking about like smash or something but do you have any good fish suggestions for an Asian black water biotope? yeah there's a million of them just google rasboras check it out Um, one group that might be nice are the micro rasboras Um, chili rasboras are a favorite of mine Um, I've heard recently and I don't know if this is true, that they're not being sustainably collected though. So maybe that's something to avoid. I need to do more research though. Um, Often we'll hear something is not being sustainably collected and what is being cited is like, something that used to happen, but it's been improved. Or, there's one bad player and we're focusing on that instead of all the people that are doing it right. So there's, there's all kinds of things we need to get into to verify that. But um, to me, it's pretty important that for me personally, to support projects that are being sustainable in the freshwater community, freshwater community, in the freshwater world, I don't think there's many species that are not being sustainably collected, but there are a few. And so uh, it might be worth checking into that more. I haven't been able to check into that. Um, i've been just busy getting this warehouse up and running um clown raspberries are amazing um that's what is that clo- uh, how do you spell that calochroma or something like that uh, clown rasbora and they get big yeah uh what is that rasbora calochroma i was right um so these guys are gonna get bigger i want to say what around three inches or so and they have this kind of I saw them live at um, the Barb Whisperer's house, that's Mike, um, and they looked really good. Let's see if I can find a picture. This is a nice picture, but that is not, they looked much better, they had a lot more color and pattern. Anyway, the ones I saw from there I really liked and want to bring more in. Hmm. Um, but there's lots of Rasbores over there that would be a good a good option to look into, sure. there's tons of uh tons of betta species a lot of them need help so if it's something you could dedicate a tank to them and and breed a few and distribute them that would be really cool Um, and those are the ones that come to mind just immediately but there's a lot of black water in asia so your your options are wide there's some cool catfish um Yeah, I don't know. Lots of stuff, yeah. Killers, Aquatics, and Exotics punching me in the face with a fox cat, which reminds me, I hope, Ed, if you're listening, I hope you're doing well. Uh, sorry I missed you Sunday, but I get it. And, uh, yes. Hope you're doing well, my friend. And Alexander Ingelhart throwing down a 20... Oh, hopefully that wasn't so his comment could be read cuz I still can't read it Alexander. Look at this. Like it's cutting me off right there and it literally won't let me scroll down any farther to see the comment. What if I click on it? Nope. And up here? Nope. So <laughs> apparently <laughs> apparently the world doesn't want to hear what you have to say, Alexander. <laughs> I do, but apparently YouTube doesn't. Oh, sorry about that. Don't know why it's cutting that off. Um if alexander just leaves a comment in chat um would you call my attention to it mods because i don't want to leave him hanging poor guy (laughs) the world's like try again nope (laughs) try again nope (laughs) poor alexander just please get it through (laughs) yeah mama said there'd be days like that or maybe there was no comment and i'm just making that up but um yeah (laughs) Yeah, he's up to comment at the bottom Did he? Okay, I'm going to scroll down and find you Alexander. <laughs> what was he? There were no comments on that. For super oh, there weren't any comments on there. Oh, okay. Oh, he's like, "What I think my pocket bought that super chat?" <laughs> Alexander, please thank your pocket for me. <laughs> and please never change the mode of your phone. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> all right hey even with that blackout there's still 220 folks here thanks for being here folks we really appreciate it um if you know any like you know exes or something like that that would enjoy this you know feel free to share it out so you can get more folks in here but yeah just that they'll enjoy it we don't have to like you know pressure your roommates to watch if they don't like fish but you know ex-lovers i'm sure would love to hear what we're talking about ken's fish I caught one live. Yes, you did. Thanks for being here. And I'm glad you did. Sherry Ethereal Wolf Studio. Well, that sounds like a place I'd love to visit. I want to see that studio. Like I'm picturing like an art studio with either kind of like a heavy metal goth type thing or a super like nature thing, like woodsy and stuff. And then somewhere in there, I've got Salvador Dali popping in my head. So, yeah, I don't know if it's anything like that, but it sounds awesome. This may have been covered, but how are you controlling natural parasites coming into the new system? Um, so, the the water when it first runs into the building runs through. This is a sediment filter here that removes particulates from the water. Then it goes through carbon block filters to take out any chemicals. And then it runs through these bad boys. These are UV sterilizers. So basically a miniature sun that will zap. Most of the parasites and things will be caught in here. Actually, it's a very fine micron uh, mesh that it's going through. But any pathogens that exist beyond that should be caught and killed by the um, UV sterilizers. Jeez, the camera did it again. Okay, let's see if the camera will work again what is going on? I'm blacked out. Okay. Oh, there I am. That's so weird. I'm going to try something. I'm going to unplug it because I wonder if when I have it in and it's charging, let me check the charge on this folks. Just a sec. Beautiful wall. Yeah, there's 43% charge, so we should be okay. I wonder if it's like charging and somehow overheating because it's charging and running at the same time, but... That would be weird because every time I live stream, I have it plugged in pretty much. Oh, I hope she ain't dying. No. No. Anyway, we're back. Oh, if this camera dies on me, that would be very sad. It's been a great camera. Huh. I just talked about you in the past tense. Sorry, camera. Get Gil says, please remember to tag at Dancefish if you want to see him to see your comments yep if you do that they'll turn bright orange for me and those are the things that i look at bright orange boxes that's what i respond to i if it's not bright orange i assume you're just talking amongst yourselves and having a delightful time um but that it's not directed to me crown oh no good to see you crown tail half moon under that mystery snail guardians hey good to see you i want to see the face behind the random arms I was gonna make a kind of rude joke and be like, oh no you don't, trust me. But um one day, one day, if you go back and watch some videos from the past, you'll see Random Arm's smiling face. Yes. <laughs> he's in lots of stuff. And <laughs> I think he's a pretty good looking man, despite what everyone else says. <laughs> Santa <laughs> doo-doo. random arms and get gills. We should have seen your jazz hands. Yes, yep. Or like the Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Hopefully, random arms is taking my jokes as jokes, and I'm not hurting anyone's feelings. That was that was a little brutal for the guy that's like helped me build this whole thing from the ground up. <laughs> Chonsworth, my EBAs keep spawning. Yes, goal. Every three weeks is a new batch. Once babies are free swimming, they end up eaten unless I remove them. Is there a way to dissuade Mr. and Mrs. Blue from constant baby making? I'm sure there is some kind of procedure, but I don't know what it is or how to carry it out. Um, Separation, perhaps, would be your only option. No, I take that back. Maybe if you lower the water temperature a bit, that might dissuade them. So I don't know what you're keeping them at. But if it's 80 degrees, maybe try 75. That might be enough that they, their metabolism slows down and they don't breed as much. If that's not enough, maybe you drop it to 72 and see how they do. But yeah, lowering the temperature could be helpful um, to the baby making issue. But as, as Goldbloom said, nature finds a way. As, and as other people said, love wins. SD. Hey Dan, I have a recurring problem with Hydra. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. In large numbers when feeding baby brine shrimp. Yep, can you recommend any remedies? Uh, flubendazole would be what I'd recommend for that. Um, there might be others. Anyone here who's had this problem, have you found a good Hydra remedy? Um, not that you heard about or read about in a Facebook group or something, but that you actually tried yourself and had success with. Uh, flubendazole is the best one I, well, copper is the best one I've found, but that's pretty brutal. Um, not fenbendazole, flubendazole, because it's water-soluble, has worked decently for me. But they're tough little buggers. Like You put it in there, they just like contract into these inert little nubs, and uh, they can withstand quite a lot when, the, when they're in the nub state. But flubendazole is probably worth a shot. But I'm curious if other people have uh, things they've tried that have actually worked. And I feel your pain. I know what you're talking about. You're feeding babies, you're putting brine shrimp in there, and the hydro population just explodes because they love eating baby brine shrimp. And uh, then it makes it hard to feed your babies. Sherry already got that one. UV sterilizer for uh, zapping parasites and other pathogens. Fish central. How do you start a fish business? Ooh, well, in my case, you started about the age of 12 to 13, 13, I think, the summer between sixth and seventh grade. Um, you, you get a few fish and you keep them for a while. You kind of get, kind of fall in love with it and rather do that than watch TV or anything. So you get more fish, and pretty soon you have a fish room. And you're kind of taking over large sections of your parents' house. Thank you, mom and dad. Love you. Um, and then you kind of just geek out on fish and keep them for years and years and years. And then you find yourself at 40 years old going, I don't necessarily really love what I'm doing now. I'd rather just keep fish for a living and find a way to make that business work. And uh, with that motivation, you create a business plan and try it. And we're still at the try it phase. We're at the, very much at the startup phase. So that's all I know right now. Um, that's kind of my journey just took many many years to kind of get to the point where i was like huh i think i'll start this but i think Corey from aquarium co-op obviously i'm being a little facetious right that's that's a crazy long way to start a fish store i think Corey from aquarium co-op has very good advice which is if you want to start a fish business go work at a fish business one of the reasons i think i've been able to be successful is because um, I've worked in many assets, uh, facets, not assets, many facets of the industry. So I've worked in mom and pop stores, um, I've worked in animal hospitals, I've worked at wholesale facilities, breeding facilities, online distributors. Um, the only thing I haven't really done is worked at a transship facility or an honest to goodness, real like high volume farm. Uh, Those are the things I haven't done. So because I did that, um, I knew the industry, I knew what it did, I knew where the problems were and was able to come up with a business that I hope solves a lot of those problems and improves the industry. So that knowledge was really, really essential. So I, I think Corey's right on about that. First, you get some experience. Um, You can learn at other people's expense if you're working for them and get paid to do so versus doing it all yourself without having that experience. The other thing that allowed me to do was become um, hopefully what Seth Godin calls a purple cow. If you've not read that book and you're about to start a business, read Purple Cow by Seth Godin. Um, I can't recommend that highly enough. Basically, our differentiator is... because I worked in the industry, I'm like, I, I, there's problems in this industry. I think I'm the guy that can fix some of them. So my differentiator, what makes me different from the, I guess you'd call it competition. I just think of them as other fish nerds that sell fish is, um, is a, a kind of a laser focus on those problems, solving them and improving the industry. That's, that's what makes us different. So it helps to have some kind of differentiator. It doesn't have to be that, but but I was able to, that's what came to me just because of my experience in the industry and the things I hated about it and knew weren't right and wanted to fix. And, and I was passionate about that. So it, it was a good fit, but that's one way to do it, I suppose. Um, another would be maybe, maybe be the killifish guy. Maybe be the guy that breeds and supplies the killifish that everyone wants and no one can get. Like, that's one way to do it. Um, you know, so, something you can do to add value which is not currently available from other suppliers in the industry. So that's what I would say. Get some experience and figure out what your purple cow is. And you'll understand that once you read the book. I think it's free... Like, you can listen to it for free, I think. I think you can download it and listen to it for free. Um, Maybe not. Maybe it was on Audible or something. But it's out there. Upper Aquatics. Oh, holy cow, it's 839. You missed a super chat from Kelly. And I missed a super chat from Kelly. Probably saying, it's 839, yo. (laughs) I don't see it. You know why I missed it? Oh, there it is. I missed a couple of them. Oh! It was above Bob's and I didn't realize because I thought it was the one you left before, Kelly. I'm sorry. Kelly Foreman, Dan, will you move your live streams to the new warehouse? I don't know. So there's some massive pumps in the warehouse, there's some massive air circulation equipment, there's big boilers, there's a freak drive, a variable frequency drive, Um, and these things make noise. Then you have the noise of all the water like running from the tanks down to the pipes and things. Um, So it's honestly pretty noisy in there right now. That being said, there's still work to be done. Like it's up and running, but there's things like, man, that HRV heat retention ventilator is really noisy. So they're going to put a piece on it to help baffle the noise. The the boilers, it's like, man, those run pretty noisy. Well, now they're up and running. We know that. Maybe we can put um, some kind of inlet on there that, that can help baffle the noise. Um, so there's things we might be able to do, but it's going to kind of depend a lot on the noise level in there. So, um, yeah, so we'll see. I kind of like the idea of once everything's out of the basement, of turning it into like a nice video studio, uh, a place where I can do fun things on the live stream and it sounds real good and it looks real good and and we can do that so i'm not quite sure but i think if i had to guess right now i'd say it's probably going to happen here in the basement still but we'll look completely different we'll we'll have a studio done where it can be really nice so yeah all right, time to shut this out. Oh, except for Xanadudu left some love. Oh, and we've got to do the giveaway for the angelfish. Okay, Xanadudu, pizza fun for the warehouse grand opening. Thank you. We are going to do something. Um, I think i will wait until, it, you know, we have all the tanks moved from here and stuff in there and everything's full of fish. And then we'll, we'll probably do some kind of ribbon cutting and invite anyone that wants to come, uh, you know, to come hang out. We're, we're kind of off the beaten path, though, in Sheridan, Wyoming. ever heard of it (laughs) so um i don't know how many people will come but um at least from the youtube family but you know local fish nerds will come everyone that helped make it possible that's local will come uh be be nice if the investors could come and see what they done helped us build you know there's there's all those all those things so thank you for helping uh support i appreciate it very much with that we better do a giveaway and get out of here i did not realize we were so over time um so We've got some angelfish to give away. If you watched from the beginning, you saw how cool they are. I think they're really good looking. 176 people want angelfish, and the winner is Carmo's Creations. Carmo's Creations, you have won three pretty awesome angelfish. Um, You have two minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here so you can claim your winnings. I'm gonna leave that screen up because then we'll see the moment Carmo's Creations chimes in and while we're waiting I'm going to try to get another one Upper Aquatics, what's your opinion on chain stores selling huge fish like Paku my co-worker just ordered one for the store and I'm super pissed honestly, hey, Carmos Creations is here congratulations, I'll answer that question in just a moment, Upper Aquatics Carmos Creations, you have won please send us an email with your first name, last name and mailing address to hello at dancefish.com that's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com, and we'll get that moving. Let me just answer this last question, and then we'll we'll shut her down. So, uh, personally, I think we do a disservice how we sell monster fish. You can go and get a paku or a red-tailed catfish or something for super cheap. And that's a fish that is going to require... A super expensive home a lot of food filtration that can handle the bio load and a lot of care and so my personal feeling about it is i don't like it i don't like it when fish that require a massive outlay of uh resources and treasure and space to keep properly long term are sold when they're tall for really cheap because While there are some amazing monster fish keepers out there and I think that's a part of the hobby that is just fine provided you educate yourself and are prepared and know the costs and have the place and can do it. Um, While there are people that do that I think the vast majority of those animals are bought small and cheap and end up having a pretty horrible existence because they never get moved to the correct housing. They, they never um, get long in a, in a situation where they can thrive long term, let's put it that way. So I think it just creates a big problem. I think that uh, it's irresponsible in many ways. What I think we should do with monster fish is um, charge enough for them that anyone buying them is serious about that fish. I think mean, that's one way to ensure that. I know that's weird, it won't happen. I don't, I don't want regulators to come in and say, this has to happen because you give them an inch, they'll take a mile, right? But just if somehow organically in the hobby, in the hobby, in the industry, we could say, this is enough, let's do this right. Um, I think that that would be, it. that barrier to entry I think would be helpful. Because then you're not just gonna buy something small for cheap on a whim and think, oh yeah, I'll get a raise later. You know, I'll be able to, I don't know, take care of that somehow. But you'll be like, oh, this is a real commitment. It should be enough that if I'm gonna buy it, um, I'm serious about this thing, right? That's my take on it. And there might be better ways to do it. It's not a a topic that I've thought on super deeply just because monster fish isn't something I deal in, but it kind of hurts my heart when I go, to a big box store, or even a mom and pop, honestly, unless they specialize in it and are really educating people about it and things and doing some due diligence before the animal is sold, um, or get online and see stores where it's like, yay, buy the red catfish $9.99. I'm like, oh, alligator gars, 15 bucks. It's like, oh man. So that's my take on it. I have nothing against people keeping monster fish. I, they're they're amazing. I, I like them. I don't have the facilities to keep them, so I don't get them. Um, but one of the coolest things I ever saw was a uh, a ripsaw catfish that was massive. He was in a like thirty foot by fifteen foot by well, it came up to about here on me, four and a half foot deep pond. And he came up and interacted with me, and it was the coolest, funnest thing. And he had plenty of room. That water was crystal clear. There were other monster fish in there. But I'll never forget that fish. I think it was a rip saw. I had the saw down each side. He's a big, massive guy. That was a big old fish. Um, I thought that was super cool. If that was the um, situation for all or even close to the majority of monster fish that are brought in and sold i wouldn't have a problem with it i, I wouldn't feel like we need to improve that um, but i don't think it is i think it's a rare situation where a monster fish is sold especially one that's not priced high not not expensive and it somehow has uh it, and that it ends up thriving long term i think that's rare so that's my thoughts on it um, with that, ending on a bit of a downer, let's let's close this thing out. Um, I don't know if Punchy Paints is going next, but if she is, she'll go in about 12 minutes because I went way over. Woo. Let's get out of here. My mods need a rest. Um, thanks, mods, for being here. Thanks for what you do. Thanks, everyone that left a super chat. Appreciate it. We're a startup. Every little bit helps. Much appreciated. If you're lurking, hail the Lurker Nation. If you're watching on the replay, hello. Thanks for watching. And If you're listening to the podcast... <sighs> Thanks for listening. Thanks to Michael Mellier for making that possible. Okay, made up a little time. We're out of here. We'll be back next Wednesday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I sincerely hope you all have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.